This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's podcast episode. I've got a great guest, Christy Fredo. She's the founder and CEO of Best Life Mindset. I think the episode will really resonate with the female entrepreneurs in the audience talking about mindset, living according to your core values and beliefs, emotional resilience, emotional health, setting boundaries. I'm really excited about today's conversation. So Christy, welcome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know uh, kind of uh, we connected on Podmatch, but tell people about your story and how you got started and we'll, we'll get into more of the details. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. You cut out. So Christy, welcome to the show. Tell people about your story, your background, how you got started and we'll get right into it. Okay. I'm a transformational life coach and I coach people using strategies that I came up with during my own transformation in 2011. Uh, in 2011, I was working in a very successful career, very high paying director level position, but was completely miserable, was in um, an abusive marriage and also was an alcoholic. And in a six month time frame, I changed all of that. And within two years from starting to make those changes, I rebuilt that life to have my own successful business, FaceLogic Spa in Dallas, and to marry the man of my dreams, who is wonderful. And we've blended a family together. And I've gotten to do all of that while being sober. So now I'm sharing those strategies with people. Fantastic. So, so let's start from the beginning. Uh, one thing that you talk about is this idea of just kind of hitting rock bottom. And what made, well, like, how did, you, how did you get out of it? How did you kind of get a solid footing so that you can grow your best life? Well, I made all of the changes in terms of leaving corporate America, um, quitting drinking, getting out of the abusive marriage without really having a plan in place of where to go. I also didn't really have much of a support system because I didn't want to share what was going on with others because I felt like there was a stigma attached to a lot of that. And I felt a lot of shame. So I had to sort of muddle through it on my own. And during that time, I researched and read books and tried to find different ways to figure out what to do next. And so that's the type of thing that now I'm helping people with. Interesting. What, uh, what steps did you start to kind of get yourself out of, out of that? Like, uh, was it coaching? Was it meditation, yoga? What, 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 what did you do? I wish that I had discovered coaching back then. Um, I've had a coach since then, but I wish that I had known because that would have been super helpful to have a life coach during that time to have that support and that guidance. Um, but I discovered things um, like yoga. So for example, yoga was great for um, stress relief during the divorce. It was a great replacement activity during quitting drinking so that, you know, at six o'clock I was going to yoga instead of going out with friends or opening a bottle of wine at home. Um, I discovered meditation and that was an amazing thing to clear anxiety, to clear my mind, to help me start building the new life. So it took a little bit of time to figure that out, but 
once I started using different strategies, positive affirmations, um, abundance thinking, those things, I um, started to do things like look for businesses and uh, hire a business broker. And from that, I found my spa. And that was amazing. And I think through the affirmations of I am a good person after being told in an abusive marriage for so long, I was a horrible, selfish person. Um, things like that helped me to realize I deserve to have a nice husband. I was worthy of love. Um, those sorts of things that helped me be ready when those opportunities came um, to have that new life. I love that. I love it. I love affirmations. I love getting it, uh, moving your body, getting into your body, uh, harnessing your intuition. So the other question is um, where you talk about this idea of um, how did you within, so six months, I mean, most people take, you know, the path to sobriety comes sometimes takes years. And then you did, you did um, your job, your relationship and your health in six months. How, when people say that's impossible, what, do you, what is your response? Well, it was not planned that way. I did not get to a place where I was thinking the way that I just said it to you guys. I wasn't sitting there thinking, I'm in a terrible job, I'm in a terrible marriage, and I'm an alcoholic. I was thinking, I'm really unhappy. I'm really unfulfilled. And I blamed my job first. That was the first thing that I really felt like was causing a lot of the trouble. In my mind, mm. that was making me so miserable. That was making me drink a lot. Um, that was the source of a lot of my misery. I was in denial on the other two points, I guess. And so I left that job and then had time to reflect and really think about things and um, realized I was an alcoholic, but I really didn't want to quit drinking. I, it was a big part of my identity to be the fun girl who brought the fun, who brought the party. I you know, was very social at that time. The idea of not drinking, I thought would be really limiting socially and even from a business standpoint, um, because that's a way that you can bond with, you know, different colleagues out at dinners. Um, I was, you know, worried about actually quitting. So it wasn't a situation where I figured out I was an alcoholic and then quit right away. It was more like I figured out I was an alcoholic. And then it took me a long time to fight with that change before I was able to make that change. And what I mean by fight with that change is, um, you know, there's the change cycle. And when you decide to make a change, your first feeling is euphoria. Like what is this, you know, new life going to look like? And you're so excited. And then you start thinking about the change and you start thinking about what it means and you start telling people about it. And then you start to get some negative input, whether it's from yourself or from naysayers or whatnot. And then the next thing that, you know, you've circled back and you're like, well, maybe it's not so bad or maybe I could work with this with some tweaks because it's really comfortable and it's a part of my identity. And that's true of any kind of change, right? That you circle back. So for me, that looked like probably a year or so of trying all these strategies with alcohol to learn to drink moderately. I tried things, everything you can imagine and some things you may not be able to imagine. One thing was I tried hypnosis to learn to drink moderately which was interesting, but did not work. Um, I tried a medication that was supposed to help your reduce your cravings so that you could drink like a typical person that obviously also did not work. Um, I made deals with myself, like maybe I'll start just drinking like Thursday to Sunday, 
that didn't really work. And then I made a deal. I won't drink two bottles of wine a night. I'll drink one bottle of wine a night. And then that won't really be an alcoholic. That'll be more of a heavy drinker. But none of those things worked. And I'm super thankful now that none of them worked because I'm here and sober and happy and living my best life because they didn't work. And what really finally did it, what made me realize I had to quit trying to drink moderately and admit I was an alcoholic and quit drinking was my uncle actually died of late stage alcoholism. And I saw his daughters who were in their 20s at the time with such horrible grief. It was the worst grief I've ever seen from him dying from something that was preventable, from something they had tried to help him with. They had had an intervention. They had tried so many things and they lost him and they were so sad. And all I could think about was my own five-year-old daughter sitting next to me at that funeral. And like, what if this is me one day? And so I really have to face what this is. There's obviously a genetic component. I have to, I have to make the change. And that was really the impetus of what finally got me sober. Mm, kind of that uh, getting leverage. Um, I kind of had a couple of questions around that. Well, the, the first thing is, um, so, you know, a lot of people, they drink one for escape, right? Just kind of, you know, drown out, drown out their, their misery or, or some like, like kind of, gives them a good feeling like, you know, either socially or with alcohol addiction, what is the majority of it? Is just people just kind of miserable and then they want to escape their problems or is it just kind of something else? It can maybe start that way, but at the end of the day, it is a condition that is in your brain that once it's essentially broken, that part of your psyche, so to speak, that or actually not your psyche, your brain that cannot moderate alcohol, you can never go back. It's like a switch that's broken and can never be fixed is the way they described it in my rehab program. So Mm -hmm. at that point, there's really not anything you can do because goodness knows I tried. If you could, if you could learn to drink moderately, I would be drinking moderately because I tried everything. Interesting. And then talking about getting leverage on yourself, um, you know, a lot of the audience, you know, especially they're in uh, jobs they hate, careers they hate, and they want to get out, but, you know, kind of they're, they're, they're kind of tied because they have, you know, a mortgage, they have a spouse, kids, um, you know, maybe they're used to a certain lifestyle. So how do what, what is your process for describing how clients or people can take a lead from either terrible relationships, addictions, you know, toxic workplace? Uh, what, what's your advice? With the workplace, that's an interesting one because it's so hard. A lot of us are trapped in gilded cages. And, you know, that was that was me. And for many years, all I could think was, I'll never find another job where I make this much money. I'll never find a job with a benefits package like this again. I'll never find a job with perks like this again. And, you know, the security, all of those things. And it was sort of paralyzing for a long time. And then I got to a place where I realized, would my mental health and overall well-being and happiness be worth more than any of those financial things. And I started to realize that the company I was working for and I were not in alignment on core values. We were not, I was, my authentic self was not in alignment with that job. And so it did not matter how many promotions I would ever get or in the future or how much money I would make in the future. Nothing there would ever really make me happy. Um, because we weren't aligned and you have to be aligned with your authentic self and your core values. And so it was time to make that change for the greater good for me. And it got to that place that it outweighed 
any financial security, any financial gain to where I was like, I don't even know what's next, but I'm willing to take that risk. And I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but that was a super scary move to make. Um, And when I did make it, I was actually a single mom with no child support at that time. You know, it was, you know, kind of do or die. It was like, here is, you know, here are my savings and I'm going to put them in and I'm going to bet on myself. And I did, and it's worked out great, but it was not an easy thing to do. Um, Leaving a place of complete financial security and then moving over time to a place of, you know, risk. Yeah, that's, that's really powerful because it sounds like, you know, from your story, it sounds like you kind of were evolving and kind of the universe was kind of nudging you gently and kind of, you know, showing you and then kind of, uh, you know, kind of like you're evolving, your your consciousness is evolving to, and it's kind of like you got breakout. And then in order to go to your next level where you are today, you had to, you know, make drastic changes, um, which is, you know, uh, I think Elizabeth Gilbert, she talks about this in her um book straight and you know you're hearing it more and more and i love this idea how you talk about aligning with your core values and then basically you have this idea where defeating the cycle of change resistance what is that well i explained sort of what the cycle is so what you really have to do honestly is a lot of times people have to go through that cycle a lot of times before they actually commit to the change um, Mm. because you cycle back around up to the place where you started and you start to think it's comfortable it's familiar you don't really think that it's in your subconscious but it's comfortable it's familiar and you start to think maybe it's not that bad you start to rationalize you start to make deals with yourself and no matter what the situation is right with your career it's the same thing right well it pays a lot of money maybe if i'm just more grateful for it maybe if i have a better attitude maybe if i switch departments you know you you start to try to figure out a way to keep what's familiar and comfortable and um a lot of times you one thing that helps with it is if you know there's that change cycle when you go into a change, if you know what those Uh steps are, it's sort of like whenever you lose somebody in your life, the grief cycle, knowing that cycle is there helps you know what steps you're going through and then you repeat it. Right. And then you kind of know what's going on. So that awareness really helps if you're cognizant of that situation in that cycle. Um, Obviously, a coach of any kind is going to help you. A therapist can help you. Um, So getting that support to get through the change cycle and not repeat it over and over is key. Mm -hmm. I love that. And everybody talks about this idea of law of attraction in the universe. And you say you talk about leveraging the law of traction how do you leverage the law of traction like what is the mechanics what does that look like kind of describe it or what it feels like or you know the habits i'm just i want to i want to know more because you know you made rapid changes in like you know rapid amount of time so you must have done something you know done a lot of things correctly so the law of attraction is essentially simply put like attracts like same attracts same so If you are thinking all the time to the universe, I'm going to make this change, I'm going to be an entrepreneur, you're using different affirmations on a regular basis, you're thinking with an abundance mentality, right? You're not thinking of the scarcity mentality of, oh my gosh, what if I can't pay my bills while I'm trying to figure this out and whatever, what if you're focusing on, what if I never have to think about paying my bills again, because this is so successful, right? And you're, you're reprogramming your mind that way, right? So that the law of attraction is working with you, then you're going to have better results. 
you're 100% just going to have better results. Even if the universe wasn't attracting better things to you, you're going to have a better attitude. You're going to have a better approach. You're going to be more motivated. So there's so much to that in addition to the fact, you know, the universe is listening to what you say. Words matter. If you're a religious person, think about the fact that God spoke the universe into existence. He spoke all of this into existence with words. And you're created in his image so you can do the same thing. I mean, that's super powerful, right? Like, why couldn't you do the same thing? So it works in reverse, too. So if you're saying bad things or negative things about yourself or about your life or about your future, that's going to affect you, too. So I heard an example the other day of, you know, a woman goes on a date. She comes back. She says, you know, that was a terrible date, another terrible date. And the friend says, well, what, you know, what happened? Well, he was this, that, and the other. I'm never going to find the right person. All the good ones are taken. Was that a belief that you really hold and have held? And that's why the universe is sending you the bad dates, because the universe is listening that you're not going to find the right one. So the universe isn't sending the right one, right? And your attitude about the whole thing is wrong. So there's that coupled with it. So I thought that was a really good example of a day to day where, you know, the negative things that we say and think and believe also can impact us with the law of attraction. So we just have to be really careful with our thoughts and words. Yeah. Which brings me to another question, you know, in 2007, you know, I was this, you know, angry, you know, just kind of uh, very low vibe and just angry. And then, uh, you know, as like your consciousness, you can tell it's, you know, it's a little bit, it's a higher vibrational, but, uh, you know, when you're dealing with clients, you know, you get, you can run the whole gamut. You can have really like great clients, you know, very, you know, spiritually aware and, and but then you also have, you know, client, kind of the, I call them low vibe and they kind of, they're, they kind of leech energy off of you. So kind of, uh, how do you, how do you deal with kind of, you know, you're in a high vibe state and then kind of somebody's like dragging you down. Uh, what, what, what are your tips and about that? Well, I need my clients to commit to trying to change their mindset to be 100% positive 100% of the time as a goal. You're never going to get there. I think there's even a disorder to people who are really, truly 100% positive about everything because they're sort of in denial. But that being your goal and committing to reprogramming your mind using strategies, right? So doing affirmations every single day, being mm -hmm. determined in everything you do and not giving up focusing on an abundance mentality and not getting caught in a scarcity mindset because that will kill you and watching the words that you say. And you can tell if somebody's really doing that work or not, because you talk to them one week and they're, they say they're going to start doing these different things on a daily basis and that they're committed to it. And the next week you can tell a difference when you talk to that person again. And if you can't tell a difference, they haven't been doing it. And over time it, completely changes the programming in their mind if they commit to those strategies on a regular basis. And it's something that people have to really have that commitment. It's not something that's really hard to do. It's just something that takes dedication and commitment and accountability. I love that. Um, which brings me kind of the, to this next question about aligning with your core values. And you talk about kind of, you kind of talked about, you know, the frustrated women in a relationship and talking about, you know, if the, if they're trying to look for, you know, a good relationship and it doesn't work out, talk about reframing events and focusing with determination and so much more like, what would that look like? You know, 
just continued or kind of put boundaries, kind of talk about in that context? I think if you're not happy with your current personal relationship, um, whether it's with a friend or a parent or a sister or a romantic partner, you need to really um, take a second first to think, does this relationship and does this person line up with my core values? Am I my authentic self with this person? Do I edit what I'm saying when I'm with this person? Do I have to think about what I'm saying and if they're going to like it or not like it, if they're going to approve or not approve? Am I having to constantly make a choice, whether it's subconscious or if it's consciously? Am I having to make a choice between what I say and being myself, being my authentic self and being accepted? And if the answer to that is you're editing yourself and you're having to make a choice around what you're saying, then you're not with the right person. So that's the first thing. Or if there's a core value issue there, right? So mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you have to first decide that because that may not even be the right person. And then if that is the right person, if they pass those tests, so to speak, um, you know, mm-hmm. then you have to look at what is the particular issue, you know, and if it is something around boundaries, you have to draw those boundaries. And if it, you know, is, you know, whatever different things that it could be, right, the way that you're handling your finances together, mm-hmm. wh- whatever mm-hmm. the issue is, then you can work on those issues. But I think the first step is making sure this is actually the right person. Are you energetically drawn to them? Is this the mm-hmm. right person? You know, it's, it's, there's so much yeah. to it. And your intuition tells you so much of that also, or am I just with oh. this person because they look really good on paper or they're really attractive or all the yeah. different reasons, you know, maybe they have a lot of money and not that we consciously go after those situations, but it happens yeah. sometimes. And then you start justifying yeah. and thinking, Oh, but I mean, everybody loves him. I mean, everybody loved my ex-husband who was abusive. Everybody thought he was so fun and so nice. And, Mm-hmm. When we got divorced, everyone was, you know, like, oh, that's so weird. Y'all must have just grown apart. And I was thinking, not really. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's the first step is you have to analyze if it's the right person. Which brings me to like these ideas like self-sabotage because, you know, what you're describing. But then, you know, for example, um, you know, it could be genetics that you describe, you know, with the um, alcohol. You could be drawn to alcohol. Um, you could be, you know, subconsciously from childhood trauma be, uh, you know, attracted to abusive partners or or um those who lack integrity so how do you what what is your advice for that is it kind of like uh, is these are these like you have to kind of recognize that these situations and events are not good for you and you kind of be like no i'm not going there or or what is your advice well i think you have to recognize the situation is not healthy for you it's not good for you and that you know you may need to get out but i think the even more important part is after you get out of that relationship is to look introspectively and figure out why was I with a person like this in the first place that didn't treat me Mm -hmm. well or didn't Mm -hmm. respect my boundaries or didn't do these things and really delve into, um, do I not feel worthy of Mm -hmm. a Mm -hmm. person who is whole and healthy and kind and good? Am I Mm -hmm. prioritizing the wrong things because I'm not living my authentic life where, like I said, am I looking at, he has a really great job and he has a really fun lifestyle and a great car. And, you know, this is everything I ever wanted on paper, but it doesn't really line up authentically. So I think Mm -hmm. there are a lot of, you know, questions you have to look at to try not to get into another relationship like that, because that's what happens so many times. You might realize this relationship isn't for you, but you go out and find a similarly troublesome situation because you didn't do the work to find out like what Mm -hmm. belief is it in me 
that allowed mm-hmm. me to get into this situation in the first place. And that's the work we have to do to avoid repeating the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. I love that. I wish we could talk more. Um, you know, how can people contact you, follow you, reach out to you, um, you know, check out your work, et cetera? Um, bestlifemindset.com is our website and we are giving away a reinvention roadmap free to everybody who's listening today. If you go on there, you can get download that for free and it actually guides you. It's a guided workbook to journey that guides you through all of your core values and the different parts of your life and helps you figure out where you're not in alignment with your authentic self. And then it helps you think through things like if all jobs paid the same, what would I really be doing with my life? And then it helps you really dream about what your ideal life would be and start taking action toward getting there. So that's a great place to start bestlifemindset.com. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Awesome. And, uh, Let's thank Christy for this really fantastic, almost mini coaching session. Really learned a lot and kind of, um, you know, it's uh, I love this mindset, personal development work. Um, be sure to check out all of her resources. They will be in the links in the show notes. And thanks so much for coming onto the podcast. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks so much.